Which country is the only country to have participated in the modern Olympic Games? Is the question that I will answer by the end of this show. Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of The More You Know Mondays. The more you know, the more you grow. And this week on the show, I am going to be talking about Jamaica. Um, But not in the modern sense, everyone knows about Jamaica, but I'm just going to be talking about the history of Jamaica before it became Jamaica. But before I get into that, I just thought, you know... As we do, we start off the show with something positive, something nice, and we're going to start off with uh, Monday's motivations, and rather Monday's affirmations, even. And this week's affirmation is obviously like every other week in the form of a quote. And this week's quote goes like this. Don't talk, just act. Don't say, just show. Don't promise, just prove. And I absolutely love this quote because it's so motivational. First of all, it's just a thing where a lot of people in this world, I find they talk a lot about things. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. But it's just talk at the end of the day. They don't actually do anything they just talk about what they want to do but when it comes down to it they're not willing maybe to put the effort or the actual work into doing it and with me saying this I'm not saying that it's bad to talk about things or it's bad to think about things no 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 continually always think and talk and come up with ideas but what you really need to be doing with those ideas is start moving with them start doing something start making plans like you can't just there's nothing what an idea is just an idea if you don't do anything with it if you start making this idea into an actual thing then it's no longer just an idea it's it's something that you've made is a creation of yours it's something that you can show something you can not prove but something you can show to other people then it's no longer something that you're just saying you're doing oh hey look at this i i I didn't just say that i i'm not just saying that i'm doing this I'm, i'm actually doing this so check out what i'm doing now so then it brings more attention to well he that guy or that girl isn't just talking about what they're doing they're actually doing that so it kind of inspires other people to know that if they say that they're going to do something they just do it and then other people are just like well more power to them and also more power to me because that just means that i don't have to just say these things i don't just have to think about these things i can actually do them and make them into actual real things and make things pop in you know um another thing an important point at the end of it that it says don't promise just prove and i think that's a real important point like my mum always said to me don't make promises that you can't keep and in the same respect 
I don't make promises unless I know that I'm going to deliver in that promise. Like, there's nothing worse than breaking a promise because by doing, by making the promise, you're getting someone's hopes up. Oh, they're actually going to do it. All right, cool. They're promising to me. Well, they have to do it now. And when you don't do it, then it's just like, oh, well, how can I actually trust that the things that you say are real? Because you promised to me that that was going to be, that was going to happen. Or you promised to me that you were going to do something and you, then you didn't show up for me. How can I, you break trust with anyone that you kind of break a promise to it in a sense if you really think about it by breaking a promise you're basically lying to someone you're basically looking at them in the eyes and like lying to them blankly straight in their face or blindly in their face even and <laughs> that's not honest when you make a promise you're that's an honest uh affirmation that you're making to a person or you're making to someone you can't just go out there and just break it willy-nilly because then your word ah that's it your word is your bond is something that my mum has always told me your word is your bond so if you say that you're going to do something you better do it otherwise you're breaking your bond you're breaking your truth. You're breaking that connection that you've made with your words. And now your words aren't just words. Like th this is the thing. People just say things a lot of the time, but they don't actually mean what they say. Like I was thinking the other day, like words like love, people say they use it so willy nilly. Oh, I love this. Oh, I love that. And then it kind of over time with people using the word love so uh willy-nilly so frequently when it, it kind of makes the word of love it loses its actual meaning because it's used so frequently for things that shouldn't it shouldn't be used for so not to say that you can't say oh i love eating ice cream but when you then saying you love this, you love that, you love this, you love that. And then you then want to say you love someone. Like it's the same word, but by saying you love someone, it, it, it's, it brings a bigger gravity than just loving ice cream. So you can say, yeah, you really like ice cream, but you don't love it because you, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, hopefully you understand what I'm saying and the train of thought that I'm on, but words have meanings and words have gravities depending on how you say it or what you say or the tone of voice that you have. So your word being your bond means that you have to be able to, people need to be able to trust the things that you say. Otherwise, if I can't trust the things that you say then that's not just it's kind of a bigger global thing of not just trusting one person you you not trusting one person could globally go for you not trusting any person because what one person says 
what if they say that's a lie then how do i trust another person it's the same thing with fake news and multiple outlet outlets <laughs> outlets of news platforms like what do i trust what do i believe who can i trust who can i believe why should i trust you why should i believe you so that's why your word needs to be your bond otherwise no one can trust the things that come out of your your mouth <laughs> so i guess my motivations or affirmations this week are don't just talk about things actually do them put them into motion and make things start popping you know because i think i've said it before the phone will not ring if you're not out there making or doing things to make the phone ring you know <laughs> but anyway i don't want to sound like a broken record let's get into the knowledge <laughs> so i was looking this up randomly um not randomly I, I am of jamaican heritage so it's not so random i was just looking up about my heritage more than anything um but i would say randomly cuz i just took a look, quick look on google i was like interested to kind of know about where jamaica got their name from so i did a little search and i was doing a little looking in and I just found so much information about, you know, the travels and explorations of just that side of the world, like the Americas, uh, the Caribbean, Central America and South America. Um, so I got into bits of like Christopher Columbus. I was looking into and the, the most interesting part that I came up with or not came up with it was through my research was just the start of the history so to begin with let's start ba basically let's start talking about pre-columbus jamaica so before christopher columbus who is if you don't know um you should know because we i think in in england or we learn about this in school christopher columbus i don't know it's hard to think back it's like many many years ago anyway <laughs> but uh christopher columbus for anyone that doesn't know is an, an italian explorer and navigator who completed four voyages across the atlantic ocean and with his four explorations he was actually the one to open way for the european exploration and colonization of the caribbean central america and south america and his expedition was sponsored by the catholic monarchs of spain and their exploration was the first european contact with the caribbean south america and central america which is pretty cool and i say cool as in it's the first contact that europeans made with the caribbean and europe that's how they discovered it i say discovered with air quotations because these uh settlements were already there before christopher columbus and his people came gallivanting around the seas and uh stop their shop stop their shops <laughs> stop their ships on their island on those islands they it's not that they discovered them they were there before but he i guess discovered them for the first time 
in a sense. Um, so we have before Christopher Columbus, we have around, uh, I, I don't know where to call it. So we, it, they say it starts around probably for Jamaica, probably around 650 AD. Um, Jamaica was colonized by people of the Austrianoid culture. Uh, these were people who were likely probably came from somewhere in South America and they were amongst the earliest people to probably settle on, on the island of Jamaica. And then later, they're probably around, I don't know, I'm going to skip forward a bit to, <laughs> skip forward a bit, skip forward a bit to 1200 AD, which is where I want to go deeper into this on another episode. It's about the Tanay. Sorry, I'm going to say this wrong. Tanayo culture that developed in Jamaica, which is basically the Aboriginal people of the Caribbean, from what I'm understanding from my research. So these people were obviously brought up in the same kind of culture and as the Austrianoid culture and they were brought from South America. They have, um, a lot of the, I'm going to go into it deeper, but the most interesting thing for this episode, I think is that, uh, or to just start off the Tanaya Tanaya to know, I'm, I don't know. I'm butchering this is spelled T A I N O to know. Um, and they spoke a, a language called the Arawak, uh, no, Arawakan language. Uh, and the most interesting thing about this is that this language is a language that was never written down. It was only spoken. And the other interesting part about it is that a lot of, you know, like a lot of our languages that we speak, like English, Spanish, French, is they've they all they're all comprised of words from i guess colonization um from when they've come across new civilizations and they've kind of taken words and added in the added their interpretations into their language and english is no different so uh from the Ara, arawakan language uh, the words that they have that they used to say that have been taken and formed into, I guess, English words that we know of now are words such as, uh, baraco, which is now, um, or barbaco, sorry, which is now barbecue. And they had a word called hamaka, which is now a word that we say as hammock. They also had a word canoe, which is now <laughs> a word that we say as canoe, but their spelling of it uh, is with a K, which is kind of weird for me because for a language that was never written down and only spoken, how would people know how it was written? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so they also had a word for tobacco, um, which it, we also have as tobacco. And yeah, they have other words that we've 
taken that have been incorporated into uh, the Spanish language and the English language. But I just think it's pretty interesting. Languages are pretty interested in, in anyway. But just to know that a language that was never written down, that was only heard audibly by the people around, they've taken those words and then maybe because it was never written down maybe there was never any meaning but other than the original people uh, that spoke that language they would know what it originally meant for to see if there was any connection to see if we've changed these words or uh, adopted these words and changed them into things like a more palatable but maybe do they mean the same things as what they meant before I don't know, it's for another episode, but I just thought it was an interesting point. So then we move on to Christopher Columbus and his exploration of the Americas. So he set sail on his second voyage to the Americas. Um, but I guess... Yeah, it was probably on his second voyage to the Americas where he set sail on September the 24th, 1493. 1493. That is probably about 600 years ago from now. Like, I mean... <sighs> wow. So 600 years ago from now, Christopher Columbus set sail on his second voyage... Um. To the, uh, another crazy thought is back in those days for them to set sail that means they were traveling by boat so because i just i just think it's crazy like they used to travel by boat and not like cruise ships like setting the sail like pirates type boats and he he set sail on september the 24th 1493 and he landed in uh, an island that he named Dominica um, on November the 3rd, 1493. So it took him two months to travel from, uh, I guess, Spain to Dominica. Dominica. Uh, and he named the country because he discovered it, I guess. And that is now, I guess... That is the modern day uh, country, the Commonwealth of Dominica. Uh, on the on November the twenty second, he landed on a country called Hispaniola, and it's funny because he actually spent his time on Hispaniola just searching the interior for gold. He also um, happened to bring sugarcane to Hispaniola in uh, when he arrived, landed there on his second voyage. Another interesting fact is that the first sugar mill in the Caribbean was established in Hispaniola in 1516. Uh, but I'll go into that in another episode more deeply because today we're just talking about Jamaica. So after he left Hispaniola on the 24th of April, so he spent probably 
December, January, February, March, April. So about five months he spent in Hispaniola before setting sail again to land and arrive in on an island which is now known as Cuba on the 30th of April. And then he landed in Jamaica on May the 5th. But he wasn't in Jamaica for very long, so he went back to Hispaniola in August on the 20th. Uh, after staying there for some time, he was actually spending a lot of his time on the western side of the island, which is kind of now known as modern-day Haiti, before travelling back to Spain to obviously show the king what he had found and what he had discovered i say again with air quotations <sighs> so it probably wasn't until columbus's fourth voyage to the americas when he happened to stumble upon jamaica again it wasn't so much he landed there on purpose he actually landed there by accident there was a storm that broke out in the sea and after he was sailing for nearly a year the ship happened to land on the coast of St Anne's Bay in Jamaica on June the 25th 1503 so Columbus <laughs> Uh, this is the funniest part of the story that I found for Christopher Columbus. So Christopher Columbus was then stranded on Jamaica for almost a year um, because a Spaniard by the name as by the name of Diego Mendez, my name, my 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 my. So I was actually going to edit that out. Sorry about that, <laughs> but. I've decided to keep it in because, you know, sometimes you stumble and you can't get the words out. <laughs> and that was a case where I couldn't. So let me start again. So he, a Spaniard by the name of Diego Mendez and some natives paddled a canoe to get help from Hispaniola. But unfortunately, the island's governor, um, uh, Nicolas D. of Vando e Cacoros, probably butchered that name, but, uh, he, um, really didn't like Christopher Columbus. <laughs> so he obstructed all the efforts that he, any efforts that came to him in Hispania to help Christopher Columbus. He was just like, nah, man. Let's just let him just swear out in Jamaica. <laughs> so he did. He obstructed all the efforts that there were to rescue him and his men. And in the meantime, Christopher Columbus was apparently he was mesmerized by the natives. Um, and they were also mesmerized by him as well they looked at him as if he was some sort of god because he correctly predicted a lunar eclipse that happened on february the 29th 1504 so they were just like whoa whoa 
who is this man that got shipwrecked on our island and predicted something that happened in the sky that we had no idea about? So, yeah, um, they were mesmerized by him. But lucky for Columbus, <laughs> on June the 29th, 1504, help finally arrived for him. And the governor decided to give in and so I was like, I guess, I guess we can help Columbus. Is he still stuck on Jamaica? He's still alive. Uh, send him a ship, man. <laughs> so they sent him a ship and the rest is history. He was back. And about five years later, in 1509, the Spanish Empire began its first official governance of Jamaica. Um, that was the year also that Columbus's son, Diego Columbus, instructed... Um, uh, Juan de Escobar to formally occupy Jamaica in his name um, Escobar had accompanied uh, Christopher Columbus on his second trip uh, exploring the Americas in 1493 um, where he participated in the invasion of Hispaniola um uh so anyway the first spanish settlement was founded in 1509 near St Anne's Bay and was named uh Seville, Sevilla la Nueva, Nueva or New Seville to be honest i think this is partly where my interest for uh, the research or the history of Jamaica came from because uh, there's a town in Jamaica called Spanish Town and I was always interested in like why was it called Spanish Town what was the connection of the of the Spanish to Jamaica um, so doing this research has really kind of bridged that connection for me so it's really been interesting for me I hope it's interesting for you as well uh, and I just wanted to give you that little segue also is it's important to note that at this point in history, it actually wasn't called Jamaica yet. Um, when the Spanish, um, I guess, colonized the island, they called it Santiago. So it was named the Colony of Santiago when the, Span when the Spanish invaded um, the island that we now know as Jamaica. So the first settled first spanish settlement was in 1509 and after about probably about 30 years the settlers moved from st anne's bay to a newer healthier part of the island which they named villa de la vega and it was later named st hoga de la vega um and the reason why we know it as Spanish town is because when the English conquered the island in 1655, the English renamed uh, St. Hoga de la Vega and they called it Spanish town. And uh, St. Hoga de la Vega was the capital city of uh, Santiago or what we now know as Jamaica and 
it it's funny that but uh it was it was uh served as the capital city for both the spanish and the english but when uh jamaica got their independence uh, they moved the capital to Kingston. Anyway, other settlements that were established by the Spanish include Escobar, which is now known as Old Harbour Bay, Jamaica. Um, Oristan, which is now known as Bluefields, Jamaica. Uh, Savannah La Mar, which... Oh, sorry, Savannah La Mar Manterias, which is now known as Montego Bay. Uh, And uh, Las Choras, Chororas, which is now known as Ocherias. I'm probably butchering all this Spanish, but hey I'm trying (laughs) so that was just to name a few anyway so in 1611 the population of Spanish Jamaica was about 1,500 people which included about 700 Spanish people or Spaniards uh, about 100 free black people uh, 74 Teneos, Teneon people, and five, about mm, 600 black slaves, and 75 foreigners. Although it's probably common practice to mention that the Teneos, uh, Teneon people, um, they, they weren't really included in the consensus because when the Spanish invaded uh, back in or invaded and conquered any of any surviving um, aboriginally aboriginal people the of Jamaica the Teneos uh, they um, they went to the hills they went to the mountain mountains so uh, and they mixed with a lot of the free or not the free, but the freed African slaves in the hills. That's who, that's where they went to mix a lot with, or that's who they mingled with a lot. So those Tanaeans that mixed with the freed African slaves became the ancestors to the Jamaican Maroons of the, of Nanny Town. Um, and if you're familiar with any somewhat of Jamaican history, um, you will be uh, up to date with the uh, Jamaican national hero, which is Nanny of Maroons, which is, uh, again, another episode that I will go into on another episode. Another topic I will go... Another inspirational, interesting, historic figure I will go into on another episode. (laughs) so yeah so the spanish enslaved many of the native people on the island of jamaica um and overworked them harming them to uh, 
obviously with the slave trade and slavery. Uh, but the biggest upset for the Spanish was the fact of the lack. They were very disappointed by the lack of gold that they found on Jamaica. Uh, so in, because of that fact, they mainly used Jamaica as a military base, which is interesting when it comes to talking about the British or the English conquering of Jamaica. So it was probably in late 1654 when the English leader Oliver Cromwell, which anyone that's aware of from British history or English history would know that uh, Oliver Cromwell was a, a statesman uh, and who led Parliament of England armories against King Charles during the English Civil War and royal the, ro, ro, royal ruled the British Isles as the Lord Protector from 1655 until his death in 1658. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there was like such thing as Cromwell's Law, which essentially was enforced by the use of soldiers. So Oliver Cromwell believed that women and girls should dress in a proper manner. Makeup was banned and uh, per Puritan uh, leaders and soldiers would roam the streets or towns and scrub off and any makeup found on unsuspecting women. Uh, so, yeah, he was not a good person uh, in English history, but he was the leader of the time and he was the leader of the time who was in power of England when they conquered Jamaica. Now it's also important to say that the reason why this all actually happened was because Oliver Cromwell didn't really like the Spanish. So <laughs> he launched a all on armada attack on the Spanish colonies of the Caribbean in the hopes of claiming them for himself and basically it's just one of those ones of like you own that yeah Spain I don't like you now I own it what are you gonna do about it kind of thing so with this mentality uh, they went on with their armada and they tried to attack the uh, Spanish fort at Santiago Domingo in Hispaniola however the Spanish were quite beefed up at this port they had a very huge uh, army and they were ready for the English attack and for them the Spanish they were like is that all you got and the English were sent off running uh, and they so after this failed attempt, they tried again, but this time they tried to go for the, see how uh, the defenses were on Spanish Jamaica. So they went to the, they went to the Spanish colony, col col colony, and in May 
15, not 15, 1655, around 7,000 English soldiers landed near Jamaica's Spanish town capital. The English invasion was very overwhelming for the small number of Spanish troops that they had at the time. Um, because, you know, you know, English were coming with 7,000 soldiers in one attack, whereas the population of Jamaica at that time was only probably about 2,500 people and probably about, I would say, about 700 of those people, probably less, about 300 of those people probably were military. So, yeah, they were completely overwhelmed and the English managed to completely capture Jamaica from the Spanish and in the following years the Spanish repeatedly tried to reclaim Jamaica back from the English and they failed every single time because the English were just too powerful at this point um, and obviously if they're bringing 7,000 people to the island as soldiers they're probably going to beef up the defence that they add to the island knowing that you had so little people there so little uh, soldiers there sorry and they're not going to try and lose this to you so easily after they won it from you so easily so in the early days of the colonization of uh, colonization of uh, Jamaica when the English first uh, took uh, the colony from Spain uh, Com uh, Oliver Cromwell Com Cromwell <laughs> got there in the end Oliver Cromwell increased the island's population of white people by sending indigenous servants and prisoners captured in battle with the Irish and the Scottish um, as well as some common criminals to Jamaica and this practice continued into um, the rule under Charles II. But unfortunately, a lot of white people um, died due to uh, the tropical diseases. So that kept the um, population of white people in Jamaica on low under uh, 10,000 people around about the times of like 1740. But then the population of white people increased uh, through the migration from Britain to 80,000 by the, the 1780s. So in 40 years, they increased the population from 10,000 to 80,000. And these people, I assume the people who migrated from Britain, they weren't so susceptible to tropical diseases but it's also important to know that uh, the slave population in the 1670s to the 1680s never exceeded over 10 around 10,000 uh, African slaves but by the end of the 17th century imports of slaves have had increased um the pop the, the population of black people on the island 
by three times the number of white people, which is obviously is something that I can believe because they would obviously have the the white people that lived on the island of Jamaica would be the upper class people and the black people, the black slaves that they brought from Africa to Jamaica would be the people working. So it, it doesn't surprise me that there was more black people than white people on the island because they needed more people to work so that they, that means that they didn't have to lift any fingers. So at the beginning of the Stuart area of the monarchs, uh, this was when civil govern, uh, when there was a civil governor to be appointed to Jamaica, which was in 1661. And this was this political pattern, which was established in Jamaican in, in Jamaica has lasted well into the 20th century. So, uh, the second governor, Lord Windsor, brought with him in 1662 a proclamation from the king giving Jamaica's non-slave population the rights of English citizens, including the rights to make their own laws, which is, if you think about it, a game changer. Because if the the people who live there who are freed slaves are able to make their own laws then they should be able to govern their own people without any outside um iron fist i guess so although lord windsor only actually spent 10 days in Jamaica, that was all the time he needed to set up the or lay the foundations of the governing system that last that was to last for two centuries, which is crazy. <laughs> um, so. <coughs> That And that system is basically a crown-appointed governor who is acting with the advice of a nominated council in the legislature, which is basically just the authority that makes the laws. This authority consists of the governor and an elected but highly unrepresentative house of assembly so it's pretty cool to know that uh, lord windsor who was the gov the second governor of jamaica um were uh, so this was in 1662 which is almost 400 years ago he was the one that set up the foundations to how Jamaica is governed now. Um, I don't know too much about the governance of Jamaica because I don't live there, but um, if it's anything like the governance of most countries, like even this country, 
baffles me to my core how this country is run um, and what those people who live in number 10, what they actually do, Mr. Johnson, what is your job description? <laughs> because I don't understand how, like, this is going completely off tangent, but how a government can tell the people to do one thing and then not do it themselves if it's so important for our country. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, uh, I'm actually going to leave this episode on Jamaica here and do a second part because I've just talked about the Spanish and the English conquering and there's just so much more in the history of Jamaica before we get up to present day. And I want to give it its correct justice, so I'll give you another sample of Jamaica's history on another episode. But the question that I asked at the top of the show, which I am now going to answer, which country is the only country to have participated in all of the modern uh, Olympic Games and it kind of sounds like a weird question not weird yeah it's a weird question and in the sense of you would think what do you mean like what countries wouldn't all countries have participated in the modern day Olympics like isn't that's just common practice that's just common sense but it's it's actually more bizarre than you think or uh, so basically there's about five countries that have been represented at all the Summer Olympics, the modern Summer Olympics. I say modern because before the modern Summer Olympics that started in 186, no, 1896, um, it was the ancient Olympics. Um, so the, f the only five countries that have been represented, uh, have been represented at all the summer olympics um are greece great britain france switzerland and australia although not all of them have been part of like have always been called that country when representing or always been named like um be known as that country, uh, be known as that name for the country when participating in the Olympics. So when Switzerland, um, it, sorry, sorry. So Switzerland is on the list because they boycotted the 1956 Olympics, which was held in Australia, uh, in Melbourne in Australia. Uh, and the reason why they boycotted this uh, Olympics was because of Soviet Union invasion of Hungary and the Swiss, the Swiss team competed in Stockholm instead, which was um, several months earlier. Um, so France did not send a team to the 1904 Olympic Games 
However, there was a lone Frenchman that did compete for USA and a mixed team. Also, in 1896, Great Britain competed as part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, while Australia participated in 1908 and in 1912 as part of, as part of a combined Austra- Australian team with New Zealand. Therefore, out of the five nations um, that have participated um, in the modern Olympic Games, Greece is the only country that has participated under its own flag for all of them. So there you go. There you have it. (laughs) And with that, I will call it the end of the show. So I hope you've understand it. No, I hope you've enjoyed the fifth episode of the podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the intro to the history of Jamaica uh, some of the interesting facts that I found and thought about and researched and thought I would share with you guys so hopefully you've liked that and uh, if you have liked it please stay tuned for next week's episode episode I have not been very good with the words again this episode I do apologize <laughs> um because I'm not doing it in any um, order I might not do the second part of Jamaica next week I'll probably do something else and then come back to the second part of Jamaica at a later stage so you kind of it flip flops around history so you get to learn different things every week as opposed to it being solely connected to even though I feel like each episode's somewhat to a level has been connected but that's not on purpose <laughs> just randomly been selecting topics for from my list of topics that i wanted to talk about um but yeah i hope you enjoyed it if you have any topics or anything that you want me to look into deeper and you want to hear an episode about please drop us a dm on social medias on the social medias at my opinion means on all of them facebook twitter instagram and if you uh, want a little shout out or even if you want to send us something you want to say or, or whatever just send us drop us an email at my opinion means at gmail.com and yeah like follow subscribe and all that jazz hope you've enjoyed it thank you for listening and peace